Twin Peaks Sheriff Station. This is Lucy speaking. This is Adam Air MDGED. I do not know how you got this phone number, but it's reserved for official sheriff's business only. For the latest oh. clues and updates on Twin Peaks, call the sheriff's hotline at 1-900-860- Underground Cartoon Therapy. $2 the first minute, $1 each additional minute, maximum three-minute call. Callers under 18, get your parents' permission before dialing. Sponsored by Phone Programs USA, Inc. <laughs> Alright guys, well we're at the fucking end of the hundred shows pretty much. And I was saving this big one for us. By blackmailing my friend Andy Glass into coming back. <laughs> there was some extortion. Oh shit! I was trying to get both him and his girlfriend on the show, but uh we're gonna save that for the fifth season. And she does a radio program too out of Chicago. Which I have interest in. Because I definitely wanna to go to school. And Chicago is kind of looking like that. Haven't done any of the podcasts out of Chicago either. Ooh. Anyway, we're going to get down on some Twin Peaks quantum physics, some philosophies. I do bring up this fucking conspiracy with this guy who was talking to David Lynch where Twin Peaks would have come from a conspiracy. And I don't say it on there, but the guy's name was Colonel Cooper. Colonel Cooper. Would have been the uh, military friend of one David Lynch. Exposing high-valued information. Wyndham Earl himself would have fucking killed for The Grand Conjunction comes back up. <coughs> oh, God. <coughs> Saturn. How about Saturn? Saturn and Jupiter have met. It has transpired. <laughs> hey, man, I love doing this shit, dude. Fucking Twin Peaks is awesome. I don't have any problem with it. I hope you enjoy it too. We definitely go over some things we didn't go over before. Laura Palmer PTSD. I guess if anyone had PTSD, it was Laura Palmer. How do we even diagnose a problem like that? I guess that's the difference between, you know, television and this. But 
There seems to be a pretty fucking thin line, too. Some of the problems we're dealing with don't necessarily uh, seem too far away from one Laura Palmer and just the obscurity of it all. Well, tune in. C2's gonna join us. <laughs> like never before. And good old Andy Glass. Comic book extraordinaire. And uh, one of my favorite guys out there in the fucking comic book field. As we sit back tonight at the end of the fourth season. Holy fuck, it's the end already. It's gone. The fourth season's gone, guys. I guess that's how time worked. And time in Twin Peaks is not wasted time. <laughs> but it will consume it. And all that you are. So let's get the fuck going. It's Black Lodge time, motherfucker. You hear what he goes? She goes, Daddy. That's when he's looking in the wall and he's in the jail cell, Leland. Oh, there it is. All right, let's get the fuck going. Ooh, it's scary. Daddy. Ugh. Motherfucker. Twin Peaks. Let's rock. Oh, God, shut up. We're at the end of the fucking 100-episode fucking fiasco, whatever the fuck you call it, whatever the word is, and I'm happy to bring you guys another fucking Twin Peaks episode. Holy shit. And I got C2 with me already, because C2's a fucking huge Twin Peaks fan, aren't you? Yep. Woo! Well, <laughs> hey, the coffee is not cold. Grab your Garmin Bosia, slice cherry pie, and whatever the fuck. Damn fine cup of coffee. And I'm going to dream of Norma's tits, and we're going to fucking do this goddamn episode. <laughs> hey, man. I don't even know how they got her on there, much less all these other guys, but, you know, damn if she still wasn't fucking hot as fuck. Yeah, they even got the psychiatrist back at some women in the forest. That was great. <laughs> oh, my God, dude. <laughs> and fucking Norma, man. You know, and she didn't sell out. She was totally fucking cool. She told the corporate dick to go fuck himself, basically. Yep. So welcome back, guys, to the new Twin Peaks with Andy Glass coming up. And uh, that was my... All right, well, I'm with C2 in the studio. We're going to talk about Twin Peaks. I'm going to smoke my breakfast and drink my coffee. What's going on there, C2? I'm excited to talk about Twin Peaks. I remember when we first got back together, uh, we were having a little nerd fest on that, too. <laughs> oh, it's in our blood, man. You know, we've had some episodes. And uh, by the way, I just got a, a, a 
a compliment from uh, Jenny and uh, Eric Blitz of y'all. If you haven't heard Therapy Rats, it's a, it's a couple of episodes behind this one. Go check it out. Fucking great episode. Just a nice fucking uncandid talk between two artists. Uh, I think they might be Twin Peaks heads too, but, you know, there's a few guys I get on here, right, that probably are hidden, at least, hidden in the Twin Peaks. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. They don't want to come out and tell you directly, oh, I like Twin Peaks. It's kind of like Jerry Seinfeld uh, watching Melrose Place. I don't watch well, I don't Melrose Place. Also, I think they have to be more our age. <laughs> and it's so fucking confusing and intricate, the details and how it all leads up and da-da-da-da. Nah, it was early 90s Boulder social scene to me. <laughs> oh, no, not the scene. I meant the show. <laughs> but, yeah, <laughs> you're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got Andy Glass back in the studio. Uh, he's gonna—he's uh, our cartoon buddy out there in Chicago, and we were trying to get both him and his girlfriend. We're gonna save that for season five because we will do a third Twin Peaks thing, and then I think we would have flogged it enough by then to where uh, anything else is just some private, you know, show I would have to record and put my life in comparison to Laura Palmer's Diary. <laughs> Which is fucking frightening in and of itself. Come bong walk with me. <laughs> yeah, fire bong with me. <laughs> you know, one of the weirdest things I ever found about Twin Peaks was not in the show, but it's got the biggest fandom in Germany of all freaking places. Oh, yeah, well, you know, that kind of makes sense, you know. I mean, when I was over there one Halloween, I saw about eight different women wearing uh, dry cleaning bags like a body bag and dressed like Laura Palmer. Well, they like that shit in fucking Germany, though. The necro shit. Oh, those guys are fucking necro as fuck. They got the necro theaters. They're all like, oh, yeah, let's do the Laura Palmer theme tonight. It's like, uh, yeah, that's much. not what that means, dude. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the dad didn't even tag her body after fucking she was dead. So you Well, know. that puts a dark spin on anything I've ever thought of. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to loosen up, man. I'm going to open him speak my mind. About but Germans are fucking necros, man. There, there is no doubt about it. Those guys like fucking rotten flesh. And you could, just, you could totally tell they're just all about the hefty bags. <laughs> it was a pretty surreal sight. <laughs> you can you can hear Pete like fucking it's the guy dressed like Pete Martell who actually they're role playing right you know they're fucking they're role playing she he's gonna fuck Laura in the bag you know <laughs> you, got some, you got some guy dressed as Leo and Laura Palmer with the shot <laughs> <laughs> he's fucked up man Leo is a fucked up cat you know what I I didn't talk about on the first. Go lay down, Bloody. You go lay down. Oh, I'll give you some love for a minute. Bloody's on the air, guys. You can't hear him. He's a dog, duh. But uh, he's a fucking big head pit bull that just likes to... He automatically knows when I'm recording, so he's like, Yep. This is a good time to go fuck his shit up. Is that what you said? Is that what you said, Bloody? I heard you. <laughs> anyway, um, back to Leo Palmer. Or Leo, uh, Leo Palmer. Uh, Leo fucking... Uh, what was his last name? Fuck if I know, man. I don't, I don't remember, remember fucking characters. either. <laughs> Leo fucking goes crazy, and he shows up briefly in uh, season three too. When Coop goes back in time, 
Oh, God, yeah, I forgot about that And one. Leo standing there with uh, Renette Polanski and fucking John Renault. Yeah, Shock that was an interesting CGI augmentation they did there. <laughs> uh-huh. But Leo, uh, Leo fucking, I hated the guy who played it in the, in the pilot episode. And he oh, had this, yeah. I didn't know if it was him still or not, and they just did his hair different. It wasn't as compatible with what we were used to. No. By the time he comes on the full first strong episode and he's got his hair back. Yeah. You know, and out of all the fucking shit that they could have changed for the pilot, or from the pilot, that was really the only thing I saw, was Leo was just not menacing enough. He didn't, he didn't come off like this guy who was going to kill Laura Palmer in the first one. He, he came off like he was like some, you know, Mass and Gill fucking, you know, fucking tampon. Well- you know? Well, he was unsure and scattered, and you know the other Leo was greasily focused. You know, uh huh. Very good '80s slicked back bad guy kind of like thug at the same time. It was pretty cool. Leo was a he was one of my favorite characters after they changed him after the pilot when he had this the fucking straight back hair. He was yeah. more menacing. He looked bigger. There was this part where, okay, now Bobby Briggs has a fucking interesting part on the show too because. He's a cop here in the future. Mm-hmm. But not once does it ever like go into this you know, thing which leads that it is already an alternate reality the whole time. It's not the exact Twin Peaks that you knew. Yep. Uh, and that, because uh, Bobby Briggs fucking killed that sheriff. It's never really looked at. And they're out there doing the coke deal with Laura Palmer and the fucking undercover sheriff motherfucker that... Uh, Kiefer Sutherland's agent character, Sam Stan, and, oh, God, uh, yeah. and uh, uh, whatever Isaac, uh, fucking Chris Isaac's fucking agent character, Chet Desmond, ends up meeting uh, those idiot fucking cops, and you got the one cop that can bend steel, and Chris Isaac's like, doesn't really shake me, you know? And, uh, but you got the other guy who's the fucking dude that Chris Isaac's character... Pulls his nose. Oh God! Yeah. Remember? And he goes, yeah. "You can you can get on that coffee pot right about now." And he tells that <laughs> chick to, <laughs> which is awesome. It's an awesome part. But you know when he when he goes, you know that's the cop, that sheriff motherfucker. That's who Bobby Briggs kills. That's who he kills. Oh. Yeah, and they never. I kind of like the fact that they just said. Nothing about it, and that, well, that, well, that was something that happened in the past. Yeah, like, know. oh, you know, we know you were 18, and hey, guess what, motherfucker? <laughs> That's old enough. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I think the community said, problem solved, let's not look at this anymore. <laughs> Which is really too bad, because on one end, if he would have just fucking had this part where he's like, well, you know, I, I turned myself in for it. And because of whatever, I fucking worked my way up to the fucking being the, you know, on the police department. Yeah, I tell you one thing I really hated was the fact that they put that actor as Scott Pilgrim as some wayward son of Lucy. I was just like, was not impressed with that. Did you understand that joke, though? I told that to Andy Glass the last time he was on here. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, that's not Andy's kid. That's Dick Tremaine's kid. That was the joke. Yeah. 
still, I just was like, I thought they made him too much of a caricature. I just would have liked to see a different person. Well, I, I kind of liked how they used him because he's kind of a cheese dick. And, mm-hmm. it, and, and so is Dick Tremaine. He's a fucking cheese nut, man. God, what a name, too. Oh, Dick Tremaine. I, I, and then he gets bit by the fucking forbidden pine weasel. Yeah. Uh, on the fu- <laughs> and, and the guy who plays Squiggy, who just passed away, yeah. like, we just lost him a couple months ago or some shit, right? Oh, shit. Yeah. Don Wells from Gilligan's, too. That's crazy. Yeah, and it was right at the same time we lost Squiggy and, uh, and Marianne. Mm-hmm. These guys are TV fucking, you know, properties, man. They're not just people, you know. They're fucking part of your life, you know, if you came from that time period. Oh, yeah. I mean, Pell's going to still in syndication. I'm sure Laverne and Shirley is, too. <laughs> I'll never get past Squiggy coming in with Lenny all fucking, Hello! Yeah. <laughs> it's like my favorite shit in the fucking world, man. Some of it. Some of it. But Twin Peaks definitely being... Where, uh, you know, whatever that Anderson guy who plays Squiggy, uh, he got to, um, you know, actually do this kind of crazier, more obscure, darker role. And he plays three different roles on the show if you pay attention to it because he's the guy who tries to sell Bobby and, uh, Bobby and, uh, um, his Leo's ex, the bed, you know, and, uh, the bed doesn't work right. And he's like, you know, <laughs> that whole scene is fucking hilarious. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Those aren't flaws. Those are features. Uh-huh. <laughs> so this thing's a death trap, man. <laughs> and then there's uh, Bobby and Shelly. And then Shelly's like, just like, gets stuck watching Leo while Bobby's out hustling. Yep. And with Ben, with Ben Horn, of, nonetheless. Uh, but you got the... Um, you know, Shelly's stuck there with him, you know, part with the fucking Squiggy. And then Squiggy comes back as the guy who introduces the Pine Weasel up on the stage. And then he's like the guy who puts the choreography together for the Miss Twin Peaks pageant. And that's oh, kind of the yeah. best shit, too, because he's looking at the chick's tits. And they got this obvious shot of him looking at this... Chick's cleavage on the show, you know? And he's like, just a little further, a little further, a little... And she goes, is this all part of the program? And the girls laugh, and, she, and he goes, Ladies, you do not question me. You are but a petal of my rose. <laughs> and I always love that line. You are but a petal on my rose. One thing that always makes me laugh about the squiggy voice, so to speak, was... I remember all the punks in, in the early 90s down there near Penny Lane, and... We always going to talk like this, but you know, <laughs> clockwork orange stuff. Alone. Yeah, yeah. You get them alone to drug like Noah or a couple others are like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the the truth comes out, man. <laughs> yeah, I just get deep southern when I'm drunk at my old Tennessee roots show. <laughs> you know, I still haven't heard one southern fucking fleck come out of you, man. Not one time. I don't drink. Ah, <laughs> that's the only way it'll come out, man. Hear that or if I'm really hurt or tired. <laughs> you know what, though? I almost fear that day that I heard that, you know? Yeah, you know shit's real. I'd know it was real, and I'd be like, well, the show's definitely over, guys, so let's get the fuck going. <laughs> let's see. He can run at 20 miles an hour for an infinite amount of time. He'll be here in... <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, the speed of light times 60 trillion, um, you know, but... Uh, 69 trillion. 69 yeah. trillion, brah. 
<laughs> I can't believe the show's hit 100 and we're going to take this break. I'm going to go make a cartoon in this fucking mortuary, dude. Yep, you got the light table? Uh, it's coming. I got, cool. uh, and I've got every fucking color paint marker you could ever imagine coming to me. It's amazing. It's just the most amazing. I've never had every color paint marker. Do you have Pucid Mob? Mm. Oh. <laughs> Pucid right. Mob. Break. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm going to have a whole fucking studio in this mortuary, guys. It's a nice room. I got a big head fucking pit bull fucking hanging out with me to keep me company. I can snuggle with and he can drool all over my fucking head and lick, yeah. my, eye, lick my eyeballs. They do that. They do that. They're fucking dogs. I'm going to get more into fucking pets. Uh, not fucking pets, but pets and uh, more pet shows um, when when I come back, you know, for the next season. I want to do more pet shows. I want to do... I want to talk to people who help pets out. And I'll bring my stories of living at 10,000 feet because I'll be back up on the mountain then. And I got infinite animal stories. They are bizarre. <laughs> You know, and I also fucking want to do the, I also want to do the um, shows about sex. Not, not that I want it to be Loveline with Adam Carolla and fucking Dr. Drew, whatever the fuck that dick's name is. But that guy, you know, uh, I kind of want to just talk about real shit that you can't talk about on the air. And the way that people would want to talk about, well, I had, her, I had my dick in her ass. Well, that's how you would say it in real life. You wouldn't yep. say, I had my penis in her rectum opening. You know, it's like, that's now fucking people fucking talk, okay? So I definitely want to talk about sex. I didn't have any sex on the air for fucking four fucking seasons. I was trying to do something else and kind of, but you know what? Sex and PTSD, unfortunately, fucking link up, man. And there's a lot of dark ass shit that a lot of people haven't had the balls to talk about. Yeah, we'll do sex, PTSD, cryptids, and how you get PTSD by having sex with cryptids. That'd be great. Ooh. <laughs> now we're talking, okay? Bigfoot snatch. No, but, you know, here's the thing. It's like PTSD and fucking, uh, and sex. I mean, that's kind of the sole basis of what Twin Peaks is, coming full circle and putting the icebreaker, you know, seven minutes after we fucking started the show. But here we go. Um... You know, coming back into the show, that's what Laura Palmer has. She's got a severe fucking case of PTSD. Okay, hold on. Here comes Andy Glass. All right. Now I'm going to pause this thing for a minute. <laughs> it brings all the magic. Okay, hold on. I'm going to redo the Twin Peaks thing here. Okay. All right, well, I'm going to redo this whole fucking segment thing because we just got Andy Glass on the show. And uh, Andy, thanks for coming back to do this uh, redux of fucking Twin Peaks with us because you know how I'm just addicted to the shit. C2's addicted. <laughs> I'm addicted too, yeah. No problem. How have you been? You been doing all right? You good? I'm good. I'm good, yeah. Just, uh, you know, living this pandemic life. Oh, yeah. Trying to do some creative things uh, in the middle of it all. Well, you're in the middle of the pandemic, and you're doing something creative with us. So thank you for that. And, uh... Thanks for having me on. No problem, man. All right, that's enough fucking Twin Peaks fucking music. I never thought I would say that. Anyway, um... <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> right where we were talking, me and C2 were saying, hey, you know, she's got this PTSD, Laura Palmer, she, from being, you know, uh, in this kind of interdimensional rape scenario, because it's not just her dad, it's, she knows it's Bob. But how do you fucking explain that this thing Bob is in your dad, right? Yeah. And, and yeah, you know. It's hardly a normal PTSD situation, I and mean, it's like an ongoing yeah, torment, more or less. You know, by the time she's with uh, Harold, and Harold uh, in Fire Walk with me, and she gives the diary over to Harold, you know, and her face changes into the Black Lodge style with the fucking crazy eyes and the white face. Oh. Man. Yeah. No, I mean, that, that was part of the great thing about the new series, is how they just zoomed in on just that. You know, the, the sad story of the girl who lives down the lane. You know, something you could read anywhere, you know. But Lynch, like, magnifies it into this whole thing. To where it breaks the timeline and causes time disruptance. <laughs> Not to oh, yeah. mention all the multiple traumas captured in the yeah. Rosenberg Bridge of Flora Palmer's, you know, trauma. You know, it's just like this, hey, it's not her trauma in the next one, it's Carrie Page's trauma now. Right? You know, because by the time they get to the end of it, her name is Carrie Page. Yeah. And she's yeah. like the infamous fourth page of the diary, right? Something like that. But speaking of the diary, I guess Cheryl Lee just did a, a thing where she reads the, the diary that Lynch's daughter wrote, you know, way back. Jennifer. She, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it still blows my mind to think that thing was like on the on the rack that, you know, a grocery store next to the TV guide. You know, <laughs> here's, here's Water Palmer's diary. And if you read it, it's like, oh my God, you know. You know, I had a Mandela effect with the actual copy of the. Did I tell you about that C two? About the man? No, you didn't. About the fucking. Uh, I was in uh, in Georgetown in Seattle, and I was walking up this alley. I was dumpster diving, and I walked past this little spot where these old books were at. To oh, my, okay, I remember now. And I was, I looked to my left, and it was Andy. It was just like these old books from like you know, you're talking about 40s, 30s. It's not too common to see them these days, but they're still around, you know. And you'll see these like old, rotten, old, you know, that kind of material books. And I kind of looked at them, and I, I went closer in even to look at the image inside this one book with this. Buster Brown looking brat holding a bird cage and like, look at all the toys I got, you know? <laughs> and uh, so I, I thought, whatever, you know? So I took a walk. I, I, I left it. I was like, yeah, that's cool, whatever. And I, I started walking away from it. And I got three steps away from it, Andy. And I felt something. And I did the three steps backwards. I didn't even turn around. I just walked it backwards. I went, whoop, whoop, whoop. And then I looked beside me, and guess what the fuck's on top of that old pile of books? I was just eyeballing the uh, the fucking diary of Laura Palmer. Wow! And like, wow. no, dude, you know if you just found a copy of fucking the diary of Laura Palmer, bro. You know what I mean? 
So there, yeah. that was some Mandela shit for me. I, I, you know, and I still have the copy. I carry it around. You know, I just thought, hey, it came right out of the fracture timeline itself. Oh man, yeah. My uh, my girlfriend Megan, she, I don't know where she found a copy, but real rando like that. You know, she just happened. I think she was at like a Goodwill or something, and she found a copy of it. And I was like, oh my god, I never read this. And then I remembered, like, yeah, it used to be like at the checkout. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. You know, which, which was so weird, you know, thinking about it, but it was like one big craze back then. So. Well, I remember at that age when I saw, to be fair, when I first saw it, those books hanging out in the checkout stand, I was like, oh, more shit for mom. I had no idea how dark it was or any of the shit around oh, it, man. you know? Yeah, and it has so many clues to what happened in the news series too that I was really blown away by it like just all this detail that you don't even get in uh, Fire Walk with me you just get like intense detail and then when you were yeah like you're saying about her living with this um, trauma yeah she I mean it's hardly even trauma it's more like possession and torment I mean this, she didn't have a chance I mean no kind of, that's what I get you know, it's just like, God. Well, you, she's almost more hmm. heroic when you read it, you know, because she, like, manages to even, you know, you know she's giving uh, meals on wheels, yet she's so, you know, tormented by this psychotic half-demon, whatever it is, father, you know, evil that men do. It's the, it's the rift caused by the... The White Sands fucking atomic testing, which opened that rift, and you know that's when the mother of abominations comes in and pukes up Bob out of her mouth. Judy, and that you know Judy, right? And that's who. To be fair, are we all on the same page that the bad Dale Cooper was trying to access that direct way to Judy to destroy Judy? I think he wasn't trying to destroy her so much as actually close a timeline where he is uh, consistently existing. <laughs> oh, I never really thought about it like that. But if he takes her out, right, then he's always there, right? Is that what the deal is? Yeah. Yeah, he's trying to protect his, for lack of a better term, signal integrity because everything's in flux and at any moment he can be edited out of reality. He's just trying to prune reality so that he's safe. Yeah. I didn't yeah, really think about it like that. Because, well, Dougie Jones is just trying to, like, recover his, the rest of himself. But it's, like, exactly. They're, like, two opposing things trying to become dominant in a way. You know, it's like two, two split atoms or something like that. You know, one's negative, one's positive. They're kind of colliding. They're completely yeah. separate, you know. <laughs> It's almost a Schrodinger effect in this and that no one knows if the cat's dead or alive or if Agent Cooper or, you know, the bad Dale is actually the reality. And until that's settled, neither of them are safe. Yeah. Oof. That's a interesting way to look at it. Yeah, I hadn't even thought about it like that necessarily, but now I am. (laughs) Well, you know the quantum physics background. (laughs) Oh, God, yeah. C2, I love you for that shit. It's awesome. It's so great. Yeah, because there's some definite quantum things happening in a way. Oh, yeah. Just to sit, you know, it's like this, um, it almost is magic. 
to our eyes, you know, but it's like, you know, I think about the fireman and his little house, you know, and all the bizarre, uh, I don't know, utilities he has there. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it is. Out, you know, to, to shoot out a golden ball into reality, you know, I mean, it was just like, oh, my God. The unified field. The, and you know that that whole part is is key to what you were just talking about, right? As far as her being a hero, because that's where you know he ends up watching the after effects of the white sands testing the fireman, and he's watching it on the screen, and he can see all the shit that comes out of it, like Bob, and he's like, as soon as he sees Bob, he's like, oh no, it's over, and so fucking he has to fucking manifest the the birthing of that gold ball, which I just thought that whole thing was, it was really fantastic. It was really fantastic to, but it was so Looney Tunes. It was just like this advanced kind of, it was right out of little Nemo and slumberland, that whole part because of the horn and the way they did the giant horn and the way the woman yeah. looks into the ball and she's like, you know, the fireman met this chick on Craigslist in the unified field, okay? That's why she's over there. <laughs> it's not illegal in the unified field, the Craigslist. That's why she's there. But, you know, she's over there hanging out. You know, uh, they're definitely not married. You can tell. But, um, you know, she picks up the ball, and she looks in there, and there's, like, Laura Palmer in there. Right. And, and she's already the hero. They they totally it's almost a Jesus role. It's kind of the way you would say God would have sent Jesus in that sense, because fucking that you know it, Bob would have fucking just destroyed the world, right? And Bob is like ex variative for Satan, so it's just the same kind of going back to the operatic, you know, medieval good and evil plays, you know, where you just had this: it's good or it's evil. Yeah. And you bring up an interesting point with the whole Jesus allegory in there because mm -hmm. Laura Palmer is not entangled in any way by her own actions. She just actually becomes the sacrificial point of everybody else's baggage and intersection. Exactly. And so that's the real tragedy of her is that she's the one who has to eventually solidify to exist or not exist to actually stabilize everything. She has to make that sacrifice, no one else. And yeah. that's that scream at the end of the, you know, season three, you know, when Oof. all of a sudden he realizes that no matter Ugh. what he does, oh, there's no redemption for her, but just sacrifice and it doesn't matter how it works. Oh, it's a great yeah. way to fucking like put it, man. You know, like she's locked into it. Like oh. she, that's her role and she will never, ever be able to get out of there. Yeah. And the worst thing is there's no fault to it. There's no... Uh, rhyme or reason it happened and that makes it scarier because yeah. there's no preconditions to avoid it if you're the audience you have to give it oh sorry go ahead no, I was just saying, it just is and that that whole idea of like the jesus idea i mean that's not like um i mean that's not exclusive to like Christian ideology. Right, obviously that. not. I just used it because it was the so easiest. Universal. Yeah, it was the easiest one to use at the moment, you know, but yeah. It's, it's low-hanging It's low hanging fruit. It's low-hanging fruit, that's it. You know, low-hanging fruit. <laughs> but that's something that's always, like, sparked my interest in, in that stuff because, like, you know, the mom that would risk her life to save her child from a burning car is basically Jesus, you know. She's willing to sacrifice her life to, to save her child or whatever and you know it's like a 
potential on everybody. Uh, yeah. it, and I find it interesting that Agent Cooper isn't a hero or a villain, but he actually becomes the observer because things can only be, things can be very affected by observation. So by his by his selective observation, he's having a huge influence on all the events. So that was very interesting how he basically became the quantum slit experiment and the one who controlled whether or not pathways occurred just simply due to the fact that he was observing. Yeah, no. Oh, my God. And he's just sitting there. At the, yeah. And that's what she's whispering in his ear, right? She's like, yo, dude, you've been sitting here the whole fucking time, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, you gotta give it to Dale Cooper. You gotta give it to Dale Cooper as this mechanized character who can just transfer his human shit from those early days of him just arriving into Twin Peaks talking to Diane on a tape recorder all the way to that point because he was able to access the the Black Lodge to begin with. And now you gotta go back to like fucking before fire walk with me because I always thought some of the most intriguing shit was not only the way that David Lynch you could totally tell when David Lynch came in and he wrote that fucking Miss Twin Peaks pageant where he's like you know, hey, Mark, let me stop you from cornballing the fuck out uh, of the ending, you know, and we'll make fucking Wyndham Earl the fucking log lady instead. Because I read that original script in that in that magazine wrapped in plastic. You guys remember that magazine? I do not. It was the longest-running fanzine magazine, and it was kind of the reason that it, w- it stayed alive the whole time, but in the 90s when the zine explosion was around wrapped in plastic was a huge deal and i had all the copies and the and the interview with mark frost at that point was like he gives the faq on the what he had in mind for the black lodge and it was stupid man like because when you you got to be like david lynch came in at the last second and really wrote this shit and really was like no Fuck that. <laughs> and yeah. Wyndham Earl as a mechanized character being the complete polar crazy guy that Dale Cooper is. And that Wyndham Earl becomes like my top five favorite fucking villains of all time because of it. Well, he seems like Wyndham Earl seems like he was trying to be like C2 was saying about the, the black or negative Dale where he was trying to become Judy. In a sense, you know, or to, you know, power. Yeah, he couldn't even get near Judy, though. That was the thing. He, oh, hell no. no. Hell no. He didn't even know what he was doing. He thought he did. But yeah, like, Bob was like, nope. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> You're not getting near my mom. <laughs> now, yeah, Judy, Judy had the unique fact that if anybody interacted with her, she collapsed the waveform, and then it became definite. So Dale couldn't, I mean, uh, yeah, the bad agent, whatever, couldn't get near her. Uh, because that would collapse the waveform and make one or the other, and that was too much of a danger for him to take a 50-50 split. You know it was a scary thought for me by the time I had watched season three? I was like, so that means that 
when Leland and Sarah, as their characters, you always focus on Leland having Bob in him. But you never think, not until the end of season three do you realize that Judy is Sarah. So that, that means that they both knew that they were, they both knew that they were this, uh, these evil beings the whole time in Fire Walk with me. I just always thought Sarah was more like touched, not in, in, you know, absorbed by it. But she, you know, obviously something happened. I guess that's what you were saying was in the, you know, the the Adam Bomb episode where she's, you know, more or less uh, that creature crawls into her. Yeah, and that's Leland. And right, the little boy is even Leland. That's what I even got out of it. Was like, no, that's them know. the whole time. I thought it was more of a Hispanic kid. I, I yeah, it does come off that way. It does come off that way. It, you know, the way the black and white is. But uh, you know, I, I don't know. You know, because according to Mark Frost, he writes like, oh, those guys don't even come from that area, dude. They're from two different other areas, and they meet up and. But the way that it looks, because she hands him the penny, and the penny's head heads up. And then what happens as soon as she she hands him the penny? The fucking woodsmen show up, man, and they're ha- they're harassing everybody on the side of fucking I twenty five outside of Santa Fe or wherever the fuck they're at, you know. And, <laughs> that coin is that coin is kind of an interesting, important metaphor too, because. In the explosion, you know how they start getting down to the subatomic reaction as they zoom in further and further? Yeah. Yeah, well, there's some molecular chemistry in there that actually is going on that show, that is not correct, and that's on purpose. It's actually showing uh, double fission happening, where the, and there shouldn't be double fission. Uh, there should be one pathway of fission. So you actually have two branches of fission atomically, and it's on the screen. So that is actually showing two random pathways that were ripped open during the explosion. And once again, finding a penny represents a 50-50 probability. So in that way, that's kind of an interesting thing to look at. Okay. Yeah, that's like my favorite. That's interesting. I mean, it was just like, you know, what what other show on TV was even getting close to, to that type of uh, mind-blowing <laughs> shit and you know oh my god dude I mean, like, I'm, I'm sitting there watching and i'm like this is like art it is art it's <laughs> art i don't throw that term around too much cause <laughs> yeah. it's like love man you know like, man I, I was just like i was almost in tears i was just like my god finally there's a show i actually want to watch you know mm-hmm. <laughs> yep it's like my god well, and another interesting thing, that thing that crawled into her vaguely looked like a Jerusalem cricket, which was in that area, and they're incredibly long-lived and tend to hibernate, so it's very interesting <laughs> that, you know, that gets it out of the ground. Oh, God. A Jerusalem yeah. cricket. I mean, you know, there's some, like, hidden shit going on around here. <laughs> yeah, about that whole unified steel tank is it, it's funny i just read lynch's kind of like i don't know kind of a little uh the unified field yeah the fireman's well, lair he's talking about he's talking about transcendental meditation he's talking about like how he comes up with his ideas and how he's really you know it's more of a um, intuitive process mm-hmm. you know and then you know 
this unified field he's talking about how when we feel like alone we're we don't feel the feel that unification and it's like but it's still around us you know at the same time it's not something that ever goes away because it is you know it just is and we're in it and you know he's talking about tapping into it through meditation and things like that but um what he does with his art is yeah he totally brings that to his stuff i mean it's so uh <laughs> i just love his the way he grips you know. I love and the, yeah. That show. I, mean, they were all I know, because they were stupid. So slow no, they're just fucking I dumb. Like, this is wonderful. <laughs> no, they were fucking spoiled brats. They fucking, <laughs> Uncle David came through and fucking decided to deliver, and they fucking weren't happy with it. Boo fucking who? You know what? The whole fucking thing was perfect. Like, there wasn't <laughs> one fucking thing wrong with the motherfucker. They really yeah, sat back. Yeah. They They did the right job. Anybody who didn't get it, they're fucking retarded. I don't even know what to say, man. I mean, it's just like the whole fucking thing follows suit. It's exactly, and it could go further. I hope they don't. But it, it could become like, you know, Tammy and the Blue Roses, you know, or whatever the fuck. You oh, know. God, no. I hope not. Well, I, I can hear, I like Tammy, I think she's hot. You know, I, I thought she was like great, especially in the blue blue lensed. Uh, part where they just saw the evil Dale at in South Dakota and they're at that fucking diner and David Lynch is all you're wearing a wire and she's like yeah because you told me to dummy she's like, I'll see you inside the diner and you know and then she goes inside and Albert's like I feel a lot better now <laughs> and her ass is just perfect you know I just thought it was just you know they captured her ass. That was the shot they wanted. It was the blue rose lens shot of Tammy's ass, which leads into fucking, you know, this whole fucking brand new TV show where they could actually bring back, you know, Chris Isaac as fucking Chet Desmond or some shit. You know what I mean? And be like, uh, well, he, they just didn't even bring his ass up. Just like, you know, how come fucking David Bowie's a fucking uh, a tea kettle? You know what I mean? It's like, well, because <laughs> he's I mean, dead. You know? Yeah. Well, he was supposed to be in it. Yeah, he was. They just missed his ass. Yep. Yeah. Dark Star was kind of a tribute song to almost his role in that. You know? Well, his wife. I mean, that was a pretty amazing album, actually. Yeah, it was not I mean, bad. It was. I mean, I haven't liked Bowie in God, I don't know how long. I mean, he he, does he brought it back. Yeah. You know. It's, well, it's high, Alphonse days are in, you know, the 70s, but for him to be able to do that in the face of dying, you know, that was pretty, pretty impressive, but, yeah. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure I mean, Frost and, and Lynch were bummed out to not be able to capture him in, in the show. I'm sure. <laughs> I bet they really were sad about that. Hey, C2, check this story out about me and Andy. Okay. Uh, oh, no. We, okay, this is like, we're talking about 20 fucking seven years ago. And they were talking about, fans were bugging Twin uh, David Lynch about, when are you going to bring back Twin Peaks? Are you ever going to finish that part? You know, he looks in the mirror, he cracks the mirror. We all know how it fucking ends, that, that craziest cliffhanger yeah. you've ever seen in cinematic fucking history. And... 
don't, you need to watch it, and it ends that way. And that's what David Lynch was saying to guys like me and Andy at that time who were getting baked watching this shit and listening to David Lynch interviews. And so me and Andy were sitting in my van, and I had this old van or whatever. We were sitting in there getting baked. Well, I remember that. Yeah. And um, I and, – and Andy, you said – I don't know who said – who brought it up first. It doesn't really matter, but we were like – they're they're not. Andy was like, they're, he's not gonna ever finish that. And I was like, yeah, he will. He will finish it. He's gonna finish that fucking. He he'll finish it. He's gonna come back in twenty five years and fucking finish it with whoever's around. And uh, <laughs> you didn't see it, man. You were like, uh, uh-uh, no way. He's not gonna do that. And I was like, yeah, he will. And you were like, what What makes you think he said he wasn't going to? I was like, he's a fucking liar. David Lynch is a liar. He makes his li- half his living off being a fucking liar. I mean, you know, like, he's a liar. What? In what way? Well, he puts it in his movies and Joe. Yeah, but, uh, Anybody who makes a film is a liar just simply because we're creating. Well, yeah, and, and well, you know, he's he's lying about fucking not knowing about conspiracy theories and all this other shit, and he keeps it all in his art. But, you know, all, that's all I've ever gotten now. Twin Peaks was, you know, Annie was a disease. You know, this I could go deep, you know. Like, it was a disease meant to fucking kill everybody. And that's why she comes out, and then you don't see her at the end. You know, and, they, and then she doesn't come back in the third season. And then according to the uh, Mark Frost book about Annie specifically, Annie Blackburn, uh, she fucking only says one thing a year and it's supposedly at the time that she was released out of the thing and uh it's Dale Cooper going how's Annie and then she answers and she goes I'm fine and that's the only two words she says a year yeah there's so many little aspects she's a disease you know she was like this smallpox thing the thing I had heard about it and I, I had never told talked about it on the other, but you know, but you know, there was a military guy that went to school with David Lynch supposedly, right? And he contacted him and was like, "Hey, you know, I just got out of this thing called Project Annie." Blah blah blah. blah. Mark Frost was already into the into that kind of fucking talk and all that other shit. So, uh, you know, they that's what teamed them up, and they tried to do some other project together. It didn't work out. I can't remember what it was, but it led to them. Like, and David Lynch was like, radio. "Hey, yeah, kind of thing." And you know, and then that show about the early days of radio—that's what led into it. The guy was a military, uh, and he's like, "David, this thing's really going on. It's a, it's a disease to wipe out children." And David Lynch, and he's like, "You got to put it in your movie, man. You got." And they were good friends when they were in school. And David Lynch was like, "It's very interesting shit." So you know, he's like, he took it to fucking Mark, and that's where it really. That was the secret thing that, because I heard that Twin Perfect. Have you ever seen that, C2? Twin Perfect? We talked about that guy on the last episode. Okay, yeah, yeah, it's ringing a bell. I'm not placing it today, I'm sorry. No, it's okay. He's this guy who gives a four-hour breakdown of what the show actually meant or whatever. Uh, But, and breaks down the, but if you ever hear those secret confession tape they're not on youtube anymore it's like hey dude if it wasn't true why would you yank it down anyway and the guy uses a vocoder for his voice while he's telling the story about how he worked with david lynch to create the actual concept of twin peaks 
and he felt like he needed to get the uh, the actual reality out there. And the videos were on for about a year, dude, that I remember. That was in 2007. So, you know, um, that some deep-ass detective work that I never released, but I felt like I should put that on the show today because it's interesting-ass shit. And really, that was what I had found. was It was some military motherfucker that David Lynch knew. And they, well, that does explain some things. I mean, it does, right? Sorry, I didn't. No, it's cool. It's all, but the whole show's metaphoric, and and Laura Palmer being the kid that Annie killed. You know, what's what's kind of interesting is that uh, a associate of mine, Tony Hiscom, he was actually the person who did the first drilling for underground testing of all the different nudes. And he passed here recently, bless his soul. And I grew up in Oak Ridge because my dad was a nuclear weapons designer. But one thing that I found was very interesting was that the Soledad area later on was used for an operation OWL, OWL, Ordnance with Limits, which is a fancy way of saying underground bearing the nuke. So you have this nuke, you have OWL, you have OWLs all over the series. Now, if that's a coincidence, it's a cool one, but I always wondered if that was somehow deliberately in there. Mm-hmm. If he knew somebody with military, that would be interesting that he had integrated that in there with such a place and ordinance without limits could have a lot of metaphorical meanings but then it could really just be a coincidence but it's a very well, interesting one yeah especially when the owl is always used as like it's not what it seems you know yeah. it's always something other than itself and <laughs> that's intense you just gave that theory i just expelled on 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 here a lot of validity dude <laughs> you know what i mean as far as i'm concerned because i didn't even know that shit either yeah, so there's another really interesting one is are you guys familiar with a mobius strip yeah okay well what's very interesting is if you take a mirror and hold it up to the mobius strip then you'd have a mirrored mobius strip and if you actually join those together side to side by distorting space and time, which you make a construct called a Klein bottle. And a Klein bottle is a basic format for a portal. So what I found interesting is that some of the characters or actions were representative opposite Mobius strips or loops. Once again, people caught an infinite one-sided, you know, one-sided, two-sided structure. It's just infinite. They can't get off it. But when those merge, that's what causes the portal. Or if you take the portal apart and break it, then you actually have those two separated Mobius loops. So it's very interesting because I did see a couple figure eights and a couple Mobius representations in there. But once again, oh, yeah. we're getting into some pretty high-end quantum physics and theoretical physics, so I don't know how much you put in there or how much that I can just put together. Well, that explains mm. a lot, like the Bowie, you know, the Jeffries character, when he's spitting out those numbers. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was just thinking, dude. I was like, yeah, that's what he shows him, the, the Mobius strip. You know, we think it's an yeah. eight, but it's a Mobius strip. Right. But the yeah, and if you like, rolls if you, down and back yeah. around on itself, you know. Well, right. So if you actually take two Mobius strips and put them together, you get something called a Klein bottle but they have to be opposite facing. So that's a very interesting one, and both would have different orientations from the same source, but if they're ever separated, they'd be very diametrically posed and completely opposite. So I found that pretty interesting, especially with the representation of double fission in the explosion, you know, in the 50-50 chance with the coin and all the other stuff. So for me, it's always been amazing because... How fucking intelligent is David Lynch, or what sort of friends does he have to give him that info, or is it all just coincidental sort of stuff lining up? I mean, sorry, I'm nerding out here, but that's no, I'm no. done. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome, dude. I love hearing it. Man. 
I think he's just pulling from all these sources, you know, in a sense. I mean, he's like, like I was saying, he does this stuff intuitively. Mm -hmm. he, get, he gets an idea or an image pops in, and suddenly it builds. You know, where that image and idea came from, it's not necessarily uh, his alone. You know, it's more like he pulled it from, you know, he could say the universe here, but he could say, like, just life, you know, you know whoever is around it. Mm. Yeah. Well, we all see triangles when we press on our eyes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally, totally. Yep. And the weird thing about the duality, duality just runs rampant uh, all the time. And it's, I don't know. I have a fun one for you. I believe that Diane didn't exist in the first show. I believe that Dale Cooper manifested her. Well, because she. Well, she's never seen in the first show, and she's shown to be a segmented person that never builds relationships with people except under extreme protocols. And hold on here. I think a garbage truck just went by me. <laughs> step outside, of course. There we go. And so she's never shown in the first, but she's shown in the second, and also she ends up, ends up being a gropa, you know, the critter. Yeah, uh, that other worldly critter, and they end up shooting her, and she just leaves out of existence. Oh, the tulpa? So, yeah, tulpa, sorry, that's what it is. <coughs> what I find interesting is that they showed that monster in the mirror to those kids come through first before they showed anything else. So in a lot of ways, I think he accidentally edited her into existence, and everybody just assumed that was part and parcel. It is an interesting play on, uh, you know, on Diane. There is a, there are the outtakes. You ever seen the outtakes? Where uh, no, I don't think I have. Dale Cooper is actually in the FBI office, and he's talking to Diane through a room. And there, Diane never responds. You don't see her. She's kind of like whatever's in Oscar to Grouch's trash can. You know what I mean? You don't fucking yeah. know. Uh, but uh, you know, he's talking to her, standing at the door, all Kaz. And those were like some outtakes, and that was the only proof that I ever had that, yeah, she was real. And I don't think that they had, I thought they would keep it a cool mechanism to not show her in the TV series originally. That's kind of how I felt. They were like, well, we could have a Diane, and then, you know, she's in D.C. and reads his journal at the end of the day, or listens to it, or some bullshit like that. And you could hear David like, nah, fuck her. You know, <laughs> don't even bother. This is someone else we got to fucking pay on the fucking and deal with and change their fucking dive. No, fuck Diane. She's a fucking recording, you know, just keep. You know? <laughs> That's how I would have felt like probably by the by the time. Uh, what was the What were they on CBS, ABC? I have no idea. <laughs> Back in the day. Was I thought it was ABC or NBC. I thought it was ABC, but uh, ABC. Yeah, and, uh, you know, they were on, and, you know, they were pressing fucking the buttons according to, you know, even Twin Perfect's breakdown where they were like, hey, you know, they were harassing David and Mark to fucking reveal the, the killer by season, or no, by episode eight. And, you know, you know, and, uh, and they were like, no, dude, nope, this doesn't work for us, and it sucks, yeah. Yeah, they weren't supposed to, really, but... Yeah, exactly. And that's partly why Lynch bailed on it for, you know, 15 episodes. Basically. Well, one thing I found interesting is Diane is also the goddess of crossroads. 
Oh yeah. You know, functionary. You know, like a bureaucrat. You know, here she's a secretary. Well, that was it. But I mean, what else could she have been? I mean, like the original Quincy. I guess. But then oh. the new, you know, the newer one, she obviously had a huge part of it. You know, she was like, well, at this time. So what happened to the real one? Like you said, that she even exists. Well, <laughs> yeah. Rabbit holes that he could go down. Oh my God! Well, you know, and then according to the end, he's never—he doesn't even leave the fucking Black Lodge. You know, he's just there, dude. He's just integrated into whatever the Black Lodge is, going through space. You know, and it's I thought just, that was like a waiting room, kind of. You know, because like you know, it's both. It's both the black and the white. At the same time, it is. Hence the yeah. war. You know, it's checkered, or it's you know, because it's pretty clear that dual, dual. Yeah, yeah. It's, it could go yeah. either way. It could go either way, and Caroline shows up there, and she was a good soul. You know, in the when when the Merle's in there, Caroline shows up in there. So that was kind of one of the things you knew. Maybe it was like the White Lodge, because she was in there, and it wasn't just this. Yeah. It kind of comes off trickery. The way they're integrated, and yeah. uh, you know, and it's cool in that sense, you know, that you don't need to know what the fuck it necessarily. All you need to know, and going back to the uh, conjunction, junction, or grand conjunction, what's your function episode um, <laughs> with me and C two breaking down the the double planet when that happened, which was Saturn and Jupiter meeting. Did you know about that, Andy? It actually I mean, happened. Like, you know, no, this was the first time in like over almost 900 years, right, C2? Just to recap that. Yeah. 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 No, I did hear that. And we had the CIA, or the CIA agent, quote unquote, from the loony bin on there on that episode talking oh, yeah. about. I remember that one. <laughs> yeah. That's a great episode, dude. Holy shit. Um, but uh, yeah, that was an actual, that's what Dale Cooper is emphasizing before he even gets into the lodge is what just happened. The event that just happened in real life, guys, is what Dale Cooper is talking about in 1991 or two, whenever they filmed that episode 28 or 29, when, uh, you know, Dale Cooper's breaking it down to Andy. He's like, what you mistakenly thought was the 4-H club (laughs) is actually the fucking, you know, the symbol for fucking Jupiter, dumbass. And, you know, and, and Harry, yeah. Harry's just like, what the fuck are you talking about, Coop? You know? <laughs> Again, and you know. Really, <laughs> and they arrive, really, arrive at it. Well, they arrive at it by accident. Again, you know, it's, it's not like your average detective where he figures it out logically. It's always intuitively. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I mean, that was in itself a radical thing for television yeah and i gotta point out that he keeps it true to the 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 tibetan conjunctions which happen every 20 25 years according to the tibetan conjunctions with saturn and jupiter aligning they happen every 20 25 years so when the log lady is insinuating to to hawk at the beginning of season three to go out and check some shit out and to be careful about it 
And he goes out there, and he doesn't report back to the log lady that he even saw anything, you know. But he did. He saw the drapes. He saw the drape opening. And that was enough for him to be like, hey, you know, there is this fucking thing. And, you know, Hawk, according to Mark, if you want to get deeper into the Twin Peaks fucking thing, because I did read a lot into the book. I didn't read the whole book. But I did read the mayor, uh, uh, what's his name, Mayor Wilford? You know, the twin, the, uh, the brothers that, you know, were fighting over the redhead at the end of the season. Yeah. Two. <laughs> and the one's the mayor and the other one's Dougie. And Dougie w- was running the newspaper, right? But according to the, re- the Mark Frost book, he was like in the fucking Pentagon, Dougie was, when he was young. And he was like a... Sm- fucking agent motherfucker who found the original they're the ones who originally found the fucking 12 sycamore trees really? yes and that's I in that book, that book. It, you got yeah, to man really it's in there it's in there and it talks about dougie being this motherfucker that found the original sycamores he wasn't affected by it but they knew that there was something there and that they they needed to keep it under wraps and they ended up titling the place Ghostwood. And that was, you know, later on in the book, Ghostwood becomes a fucking, you know, a, a, a penitentiary for the criminally insane. This is long after fucking, uh, you know, Ben Horns tried to finagle his fucking, this land and, you know, uh, Catherine, you know, and the whole nine yards there. Now that would be a show to go back to like the 50s, 60s and Twin Peaks and kind of play out that like you know the cia first or the air force or whatever starts creeping around in there Mm -hmm. already they already knew what dale and wyndham merle had to fucking struggle to find out you know i mean you could even go further back you know you Mm -hmm. back to the native americans exactly you know with them and then motherfuckers getting sucked in at the time of jupiter and saturn meeting at that point you know, them being able to find the balance between it, you know, them, I mean, Native Americans, you know, being, you know, they're very nature conscious, you know, environment, you know, like they, they find balance, in that, whereas, you know, Western civilization comes in and destroys what it can't, you know, control, in a sense, opening the door to all this terrible stuff. I think Harry Dean Stanton was a cool-ass motherfucker that kind of knew what you were in the same vibe you were talking right now. You know what I mean? And Not before 9 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking rest in peace, Harry Dean Stanton. You know, oh, my God. Love that guy, man. He And he was like 103 on that fucking show, right? That was the last shit he did. Wasn't he like 101 or 103? No. I, he was like early nineties. Was he? Okay. Still. Yeah. Still. Still. And I love it. Yeah. He's on there just smoking cigarettes, like fuck y'all. <laughs> His part where the kid, where Richard hits the kid with the truck, is is so brutal. But Harry Dean Stanton's role in there and him being this pillar for that woman, you know, at that time where she's, and I thought it was just so fucked up that Mark Frost would purposefully write the part where you're not supposed to move a body like that, dude. You can break the body by moving them 
the body the way that she had, you know, but I didn't think he was completely dead at the point at that point, maybe until she fucking picked him up. And that because to me, I felt like they did that on purpose for motherfuckers like me who know that shit. You're not supposed to fucking move a body like that, dude, once it gets broken. You're well, not. I mean, it just comes back to the whole thing that it is. I mean, I don't know. I love not <laughs> saying that all art is fantasy. You know, it's those technical it's, details, man, that, you know, that. Well, yeah, <laughs> it's a hyper reality that, you know, especially with movies. Mm-hmm. You can know, be real, you know, make it realistic. But in the end, it is a fan- fantasy because, you know, it just can't encompass all that. And that's okay. Yeah, I mean, all art always has been that. It's not it's not necessarily an ideal, but it's it's definitely like something other than reality. But it, it encompasses all that stuff. And, and that that episode when the kid gets thrown over, I mean, that talk about emotional gut. I mean, yeah, it's like, that, yeah. It's so like you know horrible. But that's that's from peak. I mean, it's got everything. In it. It's got love, hate. Love, you know, destruction, viciousness applied with, you know, um, kindness, you know, compassion, opposed to, you know, selfish brutality. You know, I don't know. Yeah. That's part of what I really enjoy about it because it is like a full work. You know, it's not just some one-sided. He. Yeah. <laughs> no, he even gets Stanley Kubrick Clockwork Orange on that fucking part where. Uh, I just thought it was one of the best parts filmed. It's so underrated, but it was the part where Richard goes to uh, Ben Horn's ex-wife's place where she's Johnny has just fucking ran himself into the wall <laughs> again. <laughs> and, and, and she's he's tied up on the chair so he can't run himself into the wall, and then Richard shows up and fucking does that whole clockwork orange fucking part you know, getting the jewels and the shit, you fucking cunt! And how brutal, you know, that whole transaction is between Richard and the guy who plays Richard, man, I mean, he may irk the fuck out of me, man, they got the right cat to fucking play this irksome spawn of the evil Dale Cooper motherfucker, you know? (laughs) Hey, on that note, I gotta get going here, guys. C2, thank you for being a part of the episode. We're gonna finish it out, but thanks, man. Thank you for being here and and throwing down on some info, too, that I I didn't even fucking know about, man. That was cool as fuck. Here's a fun one before I leave. Okay. The evil guy's name is, quote, Bob. Bob is a palindrome, same forward and backwards, so you actually have an entity Uh, which is actually indiscernible (laughs) from any context. So have fun with that. (laughs) Well, Well, my God. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks again, C2. Right. Cool. I'll call you later you. today, Adam, and nice to meet you. You too. All right. Take care, guys. Later. You too. Wow, well, Maybe man. that's, like, something to talk about, too, because, like, okay, so that kid, Richard. Right. He's, so he's basically Audrey and Gail's kid? Well, if you remember... Or, uh, or is he? Yeah. Okay, I'll I'll walk you through it. I'll walk you through it. Um, because here, according to that part in season three, remember um, Harry Truman's uh, brother, who is also the sheriff now. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's got that. Yeah, and he's got yeah, and he's got the fucking uh, built-in computer into his 
He's like, do you got fucking Skype, Doc? And he's talking to Doc Hayward. And the last time you see Doc Hayward, he's ramming fucking Ben Horn's head into the fireplace at the end of season two, by the way. It looks like he kills him, but really all it did was get Ben on the right track and realize he was not flying right. Because you can kind of tell, and he keeps that demeanor the whole time. Like, he got his ass kicked back in the day, and uh, that was it. No, I love that, too, the way he ends it like that, with everything coming apart at the seams. Right. You know, but, uh, you know, instead of it all being wrapped up in a nice little bow, yep. it, it literally explodes. It literally, everything falls apart. You know everything's okay, though, and, and that Ben's in the hospital probably, but Doc Hayward is actually with Harry Truman in that final scene when Dale is out of the lodge. So according to what that Skype review is with Harry Truman and, you know, Doc Hayward. And the doc said, he goes, what do you remember about Dale Cooper? And he goes, I can't even remember what I had for fucking breakfast this morning, but I can remember that shit. And he's like, dude, um, you know, he's like, I remember we took him to the hospital. We found he passed out on the ground. If you watch the outtakes, it shows him on the ground and it shows him Harry. And he's like, you know, uh, he's pretty much knocked out. So that would make sense that they took him to the hospital. But when, mm-hmm. when according to Hayward in that Skype review, he says, uh, you know, he was back in his suit, he was dressed, and he had that weird-ass look on his face again. And he was coming out of Audrey's room. And... Uh, and uh, you can kind of get this psychic feel that that, and if you go by what had happened in the um, the book, you know, she loses her mind right at that moment, you know, because Dale had had sex with her while she was in the coma, and she and he impregnated her. The evil Dale did. He raped her. You know, well, obviously, yeah. right? She, I mean, he, and it sounds like she's, you know, uh, you know, it's such a promise of I mean. I thought she died at the end of, you know, the original series, that she gets blown up in the bank, but somehow, obviously not, which is... (laughs) It is weird, dude. I always thought the death of Richard, I always thought the death of Richard and uh, Audrey waking up in that white room all of a sudden, that's what was related, because as soon as he was wiped out of existence... This weird nightmare was over for her, and she found herself in the mental ward, and that's really where she's at. She's, she's like, she's actually in the mental ward. She had lost her mind, you know, the pressure of Ben and being a fucking insane motherfucker while she was a kid, and being yeah. involved in that explosion she shouldn't have been in to begin with. She ends up leaving her mom and dad. According to the book, she goes and she starts a beauty salon. It doesn't go that great. She ends up going under, she undergoes a series of mental health problems, and that's the end of it. But, you know, if that's the case, then that could be the connection to that episode where she wakes up in the white room. Because, you know, you got to imagine, she got raped by some interdimensional fucking weirdo who's not even from Earth. So her kid is her nightmare. And then when she, you know, and then when he's gone, she wakes up. Yeah, it's right around kind of the same time when he would be sucked into the portal thing or whatever. 
Yeah. And he's up on the mountain, and he, and, he, and, he's, and Dale's, evil Dale's all, goodbye, my only son. <laughs> yeah, because well, I read something, you know, the, when they were reviewing it, when it was out, that, you know, they were, this reviewer was insinuating that maybe this was, like, Bodgy's dream, that, you know. That's really what it was. Well, it, it was Richard. Maybe the show. Yeah, but then again, actually, and then later, like when the series ended, I read another review where it's basically like it's Laura's and everybody is encompassed inside of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the story is about Laura. It always was about Laura. And how, I mean, he just plays with that. Like people, like dreams within dreams kind of thing. And it's kind of like, okay. I, I don't know. I kind of just let it lie because I'm not going to father <laughs> 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 it's like a little uh, too cryptic but I, I still like the yeah the way you know you're not quite sure what is going on most of the time it's, it's fantastic it was a fascinating show and uh i love how they just had wrapped it up and i'm glad i was right about what i said way back then in the van when we were getting stoned <laughs> they were oh, going to finish too. this motherfucker. I'm really glad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I wanted to believe, definitely, but yeah. It was a far out call. Let's make, let's, let's face it. I mean, it was 25 fucking yeah. years ago, man, you know? I mean, yeah. I mean, and, and for a show that was so radical, you know, for the time. I mean, it, I don't think people realize this until years, years later. How no. Different. It really was. And, you know, that's great, but. I mean, at the time, can you imagine? I mean, man, I mean, if we had had these platforms, or, you know, I mean, the way streaming is taking over uh, regular television now, I mean, that, I guess that would have been the only way that Lynch could have pulled it off to try something else, because, I mean, can you imagine coming back to ABC and trying to do that show? No way. Nope. <laughs> he hated their ass by the time. No. Mm -mm. I mean, it was owned by Disney then, but it's way more owned by Disney now. Well, that is weird, huh? That's a weird thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what, what does it Disney now? That's a weird thing. <laughs> well, you know, the one episode I had done after... Uh, it was after we did that first Twin Peaks episode. And I had... We were talking, me, you, and Megan were talking. I never talked to you about this part, but if you go back and listen to this episode called The Great Alien Reveal, I drop your name on it, and I'm talking about how, like, we were supposed to probably, or we weren't supposed to do anything, but we were talking about, oh, well, the Twin Peaks thing got moved to, um, and this is good that I brought this up, because there was something I didn't bring up on either one of these episodes that I'm about to bring up, and it's really important, dude. But they were going to have uh, the new Twin Peaks festival like Graceland. Remember that? Oh, yeah. Right. Totally. Okay, so Graceland. It was, it was supposed to be held there. We were, talk, we were like talking about this thing, and then um, we, we all went back home to our families and had our normal life. But this uh, part right here was... You know, really, the reason, do you know the reason that you can't have a Twin Peaks festival in Snoqualmie Falls where it's been happening? North Bend, right there. 
uh, for this whole time. You know why? The Snoqualmie Indian Native American took back the land. And they were like, no more Twin Peaks festivals, the end. That's what happened. Really? Yeah, just for the just for the record, and I didn't bring that up on the Great Alien Reveal, and I always wanted to, and I and I didn't know that at first. But to be fair, why Graceland, Andy? And I always wanted to ask you that anyway. E- okay, the Native American they get their land back. It's fair. We don't get to go to that part. But why is it got to be at Graceland? <laughs> yeah. That's- I don't know. I mean, me, yeah, I thought it was just more a logistics thing where, you know, they were choosing a location. I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. You know? <laughs> nope. And that was part of the my detective work on the Great Alien reveal. And I'm glad we get to talk about this because I'm, I'm glad it came up because it's totally relevant. This was my thing, okay? My investigation into the death of Elvis Presley is that he did shoot himself. He was having a heart attack already. He was like, I want to get it over with. Fucking shot himself on the fucking toilet. But he was reading a book, and he was heavily on prescribed medicine and doing all this other shit. But, you know, he had taken a gun. Okay, and so he took a gun. He, he, <laughs> I'm, I, I'm sorry. I keep thinking about the, that Milkman lyric. Fat stone on the throne. <laughs> Maybe that's what they're talking about, you know, but, you know, <laughs> uh, well, he was such a bloated, you know, he was such a, I mean, I don't know, like a superstar. Well, we'll keep it respectful on this level that we don't know, whatever, but there is, okay, check this out. What's in Twin Peaks? Okay, here's my investigation. In Twin Peaks, Dale Cooper has a doppelganger. Elvis is reading a book that was written in 1974, three years before his death. And it's the first time it's talked about these two CIA agents going to Golgotha, which is where Jesus was crucified, the place of skulls. The CIA agents go there. They get the blood sample. And they can bring it back and manipulate it and fucking bring back a doppelganger of Jesus. Like this clone Jesus, right? So, okay, what happens to Elvis? He because, He's already a shapeshifter. It's why he's reading this book and it freaks him out because he's already become one of the lizard motherfuckers. They put a tadpole in his cerebral cortex so he could shapeshift, right? But... He was so fucked up on pills that he couldn't hold his fucking shape-shifting shit together. So his last show, he's with uh, this little girl who's from the Sioux Native American Council. You know, she's she's like a seven-year-old girl. And she's hanging out with Elvis. And there's all these makeup guys and all these guys around her. And his face starts going out. And it and it, it the footage is there. You can go out. You look for this guy named Mister Happy, and he was all uh, you know hard on about fucking getting all the footage and putting getting deep into how he's a shapeshifter. I believe that he was, and I believe that he was, and I believe he actually started reading that book about Jesus coming back like that, and it freaked him out. It gave him a fucking heart attack. He shot himself. Then in the eighties, Andy Kaufman 
went into the upstairs bathroom, which was the only part that was boarded up in the Graceland mansion. Oh, right. Okay. Well, he knocked in the door. He fucking pulled his pants down. He pulled out a squirt gun and started squirting himself in the head in front of him in the middle of a tour. And all these people looking and taking photos and shit. And being like, look, I'm Elvis. <laughs> so they ended up boarding up the whole second floor of the Graceland mansion, right? And so fucking Elvis is a shapeshifter. It's totally Twin Peaks fucking thing. CBS wants to fucking give Mark Frost a fucking hand job because of his new book and all the fucking shit he's doing. Now they, and it's that fucking, you know, or, you know, ABC or whatever. No, but it, it did switch over to CBS. It's not the same company. Well, I think, you know, maybe that was David Lynch's right. Well, I think CBS owns Showtime. You know, or you should say Viacom, because that's your own CBS. Well, maybe he got the rights back by Fire Walk With Me. Maybe. I, I'm not sure how that worked out. Like, I don't yeah, know I, either. Just looking. Well, I have that the whole, complete collection that I got for uh, Christmas. Megan. She gave me the whole shebang. I got everything. And it's like this 18 disc set. Yeah. It's crazy. But it's CBS. You know, they put it out. I was always like, how did they get a hold of Because it was on ABC. I, originally. I, you know, I, I don't know. It was. Know, it was. Strange, strange, strange. Mm-hmm. You know, and I always thought it was weird that they were, why are you going to have it at Graceland? Because he was a shapeshifter, and there was a fucking clone involved, and, you know, blah, 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 and all the shit. And, you know, I was like, it's too close to the mark. So I wrote to the Twin Peaks forum on, on Facebook, and they censored my letter. They wouldn't let it on. And I was like, could you yeah. get any more, like, admit admittal than that, you know? And I, I use it on there. I was like, fuck Alpha Draconian motherfuckers, these lizard dick motherfuckers. You know, and they're really the ones running Facebook to begin with. Oh, we're not going to release that. You know, so it's like, <laughs> ah, fuck them, you know? Well, we were going to go up to that town in Seattle, or Washington, I should say. That a lot of the stuff was filmed that has, like, the double R's. Yeah, Snoqualmie, Snoqualmie Falls. Yeah, yeah, we were, Megan and I were considering doing that, and then pandemic happened, so we kind of had to, um, you know, obviously cancel, but it was like, they do stuff that's kind of up there, um, that's the only other one I've really heard of, I mean, I know they go around, I know there's a lot of, like, some people groups. There's groups, yeah, but they're like not, yeah. Uh-oh. Yeah, as far as, like, actually holding, like, a festival or something. Like it's that. over. Yeah. It's over, man. They yeah. can't, well, as yeah. soon as they busted up the double R deal, you know, that's where everybody would meet up. Mm. And, uh, you know, I've been to the double R there. Tweeds, that's what it's that's really what, called. Oh, man. oh, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, well, we were looking at, yeah, we were looking at pictures. Of Oh, yeah. You know, what, what they had on, you know, that you could go and walk around and see. And we were both like, yeah, that would be just fun. It's so pretty it great. Odd, you know, just an odd little vacation to take. Yeah. And I've never been to Washington State. So be kind of neat. No, it's good, man. Uh, I, so, I mean, Twin Peaks in general is so, you know, it, it like lends itself to all this kind of uh, imagination, you know. But, I mean, I think that's what people love about it, too, is that it, it just engages you uh, in a way that, you know, most shows people don't, you know? And 
that's rare. That doesn't come around very often. It was like magic. I can't even. I mean, I can't even think of something else that came close to it. You know. It was it was magic yeah, like, for me in many levels, yeah. like for the oh, timing, yeah. you know, and to be right about. I was like, oh, thank God, I was right about that. <laughs> yeah. I would have hated to see the timeline that it didn't happen. But to, but you know, literally come back in twenty five years. I mean, that was just Woo. unbelievable. And to pull it off like a motherfucker, man. Like, oh, man. I think you know, Kyle McLaughlin was the elder motherfucker that was like, hey. This is how David really, you know, he was probably the one that really held it together for David Lynch. And when you hear their interviews, they just have that kind of kind of cool ass connection, you know, that it's okay. something that is definitely on. It's definitely there. It's definitely positive. You can hear Kyle McLaughlin's like probably the bridge to the to the support, the supporting actors that were able to return. And it was sad to, oh, yeah. to not see Piper Laurie come back, man, you know. I would have loved yeah, to have seen her, no. Catherine Martell. Oh, God. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, a lot of them. A lot of them, you know. Oh, they, they, they did. Bob himself and they lost six of them. And the one guy we forgot to mention that we couldn't remember on that last episode was Miguel Ferrer as Albert. Oh, yeah, of course. Agent yeah. Albert. Yeah, he. I know he died in the middle of filming. I mean, well. And Anne Milagro, who Catherine, or what's her name? Um, I mean, the log lady, her real name. Catherine Cowsell. She's worked with Lynch since, you know, the Eraserhead days. And she died. She literally died on... No, you were, we were watching her pass in making the show. And it uh, was especially that final scene with her and Hawk, you know, it's so emotionally, you know, uh, wrenching. I mean, it's just like, because you know, I mean, if you do know, you know, fans of the show obviously knew she was sick, and her just, you know, doing that whole monologue was just like, oh, that's so brave, you know, so, yeah. so very brave. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. In the middle of it all. I mean, I don't know, I probably would have been back to see I mean, <laughs> I was in the middle of that. Oh, my God. I mean, hats off to her. Wonderful woman. Well, they had already started filming, I guess. They had to have... Okay, here's how I know they were filming in 2014. Because when I was doing that Ele Elegant Goofball magazine with my uh, my best friend and my sister, uh, Kim Jackson, um, we were doing the funny page on Facebook. You guys can still go check it out. It's a historic little fucking... Everybody has mind-picked the fuck out of it that has a funny page. Ha uh ha. -huh. That's what it's there for. We never claimed any responsibility or any 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 uh you know owning ownership to any of the photos that we had found to begin with. So, but uh, Kim and I really did a lot of work together, and that was one of the things, you know, um, at that point. Uh, what was I talking about? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh. <laughs> I blew it. I just had a brain fart in this kind no, of... No, no, the, um, uh, the comic section of it. Oh, uh, Jesus Christ. That's embarrassing, huh? Another reason for another show. Well, anyway... Do these things for hours. 
<laughs> Kim and I did go to a a, a Twin Peaks uh, show. Oh, this is how I know they were uh, filming. Okay, thank you. This is how I know they were filming in 2014 because Kim w- was dating Tom Sizemore. No kidding. And, you know, he does the greasy uh, investigative uh, agent that is working with Dougie before Dougie gets fucking sucked okay. into the Black Lodge. He's actually really good at that. And he's really good at that. But, uh, <laughs> you know, that part right there, Tom Sizemore's greasy little part, he was actually, he was actually having um, legal issues and all this other shit while he was... Uh, you know, kind of going out with uh, Kim when we were running Elegant Goofball in Los Angeles. And uh, Kim had told me about it. And I was like, well, what was he working on? And she said Twin Peaks. And I remember her saying Twin Peaks, not to get too deep into anything else, but that was definitely... So, man, they were already filming that shit in 2014, you know? Uh, well, that's interesting. I know. Yeah, because I, mean, I didn't even hear rumors about it, so like... I to be fair, I had been hearing rumors about it over a decade. Hey, going that far back, these little loose here's this thing was leaked. And then you don't hear nothing for a fucking year and a half. And then uh, all of a sudden, you know, something else, but you know, what? And then you and you know as soon as the guy's like as soon as he farts, you know what the fuck's going on. You, you know, hey, there was a there was a rumble, you know. <laughs> yeah. A rumble, a rumble on Mulholland Drive, you know, <laughs> earlier today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the last is before the whole new season of Twin Peaks. Sorry, I should call the third season. It's not very new anymore. But mm-hmm. it's like um, he had gone more into music, and I had I got. Um, I think it was 2010, he put out that one called Crazy Clown Time. And I was like, well, that makes sense, because Lynch has always worked with like music in his movies and other people, you know. Um, so I was like, and then he's saying, basically, he's done with movies. He's done with film and all that stuff. And turns out he's more like interested in digital, um, which you know, it makes sense for him to want to try a series again, which, you know, thank God it was complete, not something else, but it was like, I, I was like, bummed, because I'm thinking, he's done, you know, he's not making anything else. But on the one hand, I'm like, you know, I don't believe that. Honestly. How could you, like, cut that off and so you, you know, say it? But going into digital, which, you know, so big to the new uh, third season, you know, completely digital. Yeah. And beautiful. I mean, it looks beautiful. I mean, I, I'm not seeing that type, that skill of uh, camera that in a lot of digital, well, I don't know what is in digital, but you just don't see it, you know, the, the I mean, he's, I mean, that's the thing about Lynch. He takes, like, your typical generic genre or tool, and he creates something utterly different, you know, it makes something so unique from it, just mind-boggling sometimes. I, uh, I totally agree, man. I like how much shit we covered on this episode that we really oh, didn't <laughs> even touch on the last one, that was amazing. 
there's just so much there, right? I mean, like I said before. Uh, it's, like, it's like a mystery wrapped in a puzzle, you know, wrapped in a box. How, oh, my God, dude. There, <laughs> you know, just the layers. And I, I just thought, you know, I like that you didn't know about that conjunction, that grand conjunction. You have to go back and listen to it. Because it doesn't just come up in real life right here, but you know where else whatever Dale Cooper is talking about comes from? The Dark Crystal. Remember that movie? Sure. Okay, well, you know, some people, you know, feel different, you know. Well, yeah, the dark and light. Right, you know, it's like whatever, it's a Jim Henson fucking movie, you know. You're gonna, you're gonna, you know Jim Henson has a specific way of making shit. But there's this. Henson was into you know Eastern thinking. He was, he was. But to keep focus, which is funny because Ugra, the the witch, only has one eye. <laughs> but uh, she's yelling at the Gelfling, if you remember that part. And they're around that gigantic planetary machine, and she's like, "Okay, go ahead, ask me." And the girlfriend, "Okay, what? What the fuck do you want me to ask you?" And she's like, "About the Grand Conjunction." Well, what is it? Yeah. It's the end, you know. But that's, you know, that's what, you know, it's when the planets align. The shard is, he needs to stick the shard and in, in to complete the crystal so that these motherfuckers can evolve into a new race. Right, the right moment. At the right moment, you know, it's the plants yeah. are like, you know, the fret with the shard broken, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so, you know. That is a very astrological. It is. It is very set on time and place. And I, I thought that's what was important in the last of those episodes, where you know, once again, Andy is tripping on the fucking chalkboard, and Dale's like, "That's what it is. It's the you know, it's when Jupiter meets Saturn." Of course, Wyndham Merles had the fucking plant bug, the bonsai tree bugged the whole time so he's been hearing everything they're learning because Dale's got a big mouth (laughs) and you know they're fucking figuring the shit out and you know fucking uh, but you know that's that's what it was and I think it was on December 22nd the Grand Conjunction was Saturn and Jupiter you know uh, aligning and opening this thing and, uh, you know, I, has it really happened? I did it open the lodge. I can't tell. Do you have to be inside 12 sycamore trees guys out there? I don't know. I, I think people have gone looking around that area so hardcore for this. Oh, I believe it. I, you know, they have, you know, you know, they have. And, you know, I think pe- you watch the show, you see how technically obsessive it is on wanting to find these fucking portals. And then he plays it again three times as hard now because you got him evading the Black Lodge. There's these other entrances now, like uh, Jack, the Jackrabbit place, uh, where Bobby takes them after they figure out how to open up that secret capsule that was hidden in Major Briggs's chair before he passed away. <laughs> yeah, right, right. And what did he say to his uh, Bobby's, you know, mom? He says, uh, you know, uh, Harry Truman and Hawk and fucking Bobby are going to kind of show up and, you know, that's when you got to give him this capsule, you know? Right, right. Like he 
he knew he knew it all. He saw it all. His body stopped fucking, you know, aging or I don't know what the fuck, you know. I don't know how the whole part with Major Briggs demonstrated in the third. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like I was saying before, a young, young major grade, you know, would have been uh, a cool kind of prequel thing to Twin Peaks. I mean, you could go into it that way. Oof. I mean, I, I think that would be fascinating. It was kind of something of a prequel Twin Peaks, showing them digging around out there in the woods, trying to figure it out. Because, yeah, the whole major grade, I mean... And yeah, the actor um, he passed away, so he couldn't really be in it. So they, you know, they basically just have a giant floating head, which, you know, I mean, and then but then you know, it's the body, his physical body is still in South Dakota or wherever it is. You know, I mean, talk about rabbit holes. Yeah. Wow. He could just go round and round. Round and round, dude. Yeah. That's what he says too. <laughs> That's what he says in the first uh, or in the pilot episode when uh, uh, James Hurley's friend is riding uh, Donna Hayward out of the fucking uh, you know the club there after the bar fight happens between Bobby Bob and Mike and uh, James Hurley's friends, and they they get Donna out of there and he get and um, what is it? Harry goes. What comes around goes around. It goes round and round. And I, I just like how it's uh, everything's a goddamn donut, you know. And just uh, yeah. like C two was, yeah, exit. Yeah, C two said yeah. it, nailed it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just uh, which is very, you know, after reading this um, book about Lynch's exploits and TM. The unified field theory mm-hmm. and stuff. It, it, it does add a lot of uh, dimension to stuff in that way. I mean, but yeah, you really got to have a little bit of information before you go into it, which is okay, you know, but I don't know. You can still just go along for the ride. I mean, you can. You can go along for the ride. It won't make absolutely no sense. It gets really fun when you start putting little pieces together and you know, start realizing. Yeah, it does. It does. When you know, but it's just for you. And I think that was the beauty of Lynch and Frost here. In the end, you know, I hope they do do that fucking Tammy and the Blue Rose fucking thing. I fucking like that chick, man. I'm telling you, she's great. I think. Yeah, she's she's pretty great. Um, Pretty great character in the show. Yeah. Heard that Lynch is working on something new, a new series, which I, I. not heard any other detail. I just want him to call it the Blue Rose and get on with it. Blue Rose. Just call it Blue fucking Rose. Blue Rose. If that's all it needs to... Yeah, he needs to have it backwards. Just like that at the beginning. Blue Rose. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Right. They're still looking. They're, sti- they're going to find the actual Kyle McLaughlin probably in the season finale. You know what I mean? And get his ass out of there. For real this time, you know. That would be cool. Now he, he's lost in time and space because, you know, he obviously traveled somewhere. He Where did. did they travel? I don't know. You know. What is that? The other, like a parallel? It's, it's interesting. It still leaves so many questions. Okay. It, uh, it the does. Ghostly, the ghostly sound of 
Sarah Palmer coming out of the house, you know. <laughs> it's like, whoa. I know. <laughs> I know, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty extreme and it's, it's very cool and I like how it is. And I'm glad that you came back to uh, finish off this uh, on uh, episode 98, 99. I don't know where we're at. I think you're episode, we're episode 98, and nice. I'm going to release that 100th episode, man. So I'm going to go work on a cartoon, Andy. I'm done recording for a, a second. I'm just done. That's hey. everybody needs to know that out there. Hey, I recorded for a fucking year of my life, the first year of the fucking virus. I got what I got. It was uh, a lot of it was extreme. You're gonna hear a more in depth uh, three hour uh, show pretty much by the time I get fucking done with it uh, on the hundredth uh, episode. And I hope you guys enjoy this this whole fucking ride that you know has been the insanity of a year in my life. Of the virus AD. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that's a document from the time, you know, almost like a time capsule. It was a, it was a time capsule. I felt the, you know, I've got a PTSD specialist on the show named uh, Janine Belden who will be joining us. And uh, she, she lets you know, you know, hey, you thought the fucking sky was fucking falling. I guess I was no exception, you know, and I felt that pressure and the, hey, what the fuck's going to happen? You know, is this a George Romero film? Is this 28 Days Later? I mean, we didn't know. Uh, we've got some kind of a better grip on what the fuck it is. Uh, I guess. I guess. I, you know, it's like if you say something wrong, though, to the wrong friend, you're going to start a fucking... Uh, uh, a war with them, you know, and they'll, they're going to block you out a lot of times right now on how sensitive yeah. the whole thing is, or you're QAnon or you're some rightist or you're a leftist and, you, and people will just be straight up. I'm a leftist. I'm a rightist. I'm this, I'm that. It's like, that's fine. Well, but we used to be fucking hang, hanging out together and it was nobody's real well, business. What the fuck you were, you just were what you were. Right. <laughs> the other person, yeah. You know, there's no middle ground with these things. I mean, <sighs> there is. I, I don't know. You know, it, social media itself is like a, I don't know. It just draws out the worst in people in a sense because there is no like um, reason to, you know, talk with somebody. I mean, unless you come at it that way. I mean, there's, there's not to say there isn't reasonable people actually want to have a conversation instead of just sitting there dictating to you what it is, you know? I mean, it, it's, I don't know. That's why I still love face-to-face -face talking, you know? I mean, my God, you know? It, it's the only way things actually really get done, or at least, like, you know, allows you to maybe learn something from a different perspective, you know, which doesn't negate what you think. It's just, it's like, you know, uh, another view. But some people are, like, so, you know, dogmatic, they want it to be their way or the highway, and fortunately, that kind of thinking gets you into worse situations. I mean, you can't go lay down, lay down over there. Well, we can't go 10,000 years. Lay down. You know, talking about things, and then you know, social media comes along and 
Amer- you know, humans just lose their fucking minds over it, you know, and they can't, you know, <laughs> talk. You know, no, there's no there's no conversation going on in that way. Yeah. Know? It's just like, it's okay if you just want to talk to platitudes all the time. Well, that's fine, but it doesn't really engage in something deep. Yeah. I don't know, something like Twin Peaks, though, kind of like, draws all this out. <laughs> yeah. Which is great. I agree and uh I think it's just uh it's been a pain reliever in a time of uh a bunch of bullshit mainly, you know, and I think it made it stand out so much better because of all the dumbass shit that was already going on already. So Yeah. Yeah, we need more like that. Less um Zack Snyder's uh, Oh, God, leave it alone. <laughs> Man, can they just get some old school motherfucker that knows how to fucking do Jack Kirby, right? And just, let's just do the Superpowers movie, man, and do it straight out of the fucking cartoon. It doesn't have to be this hardcore. Why does it have to be so dark? He um, just, yeah. he, he is, he's given too much fucking... Frank Miller wannabe bullshit through his hardcore demeanor mm. acting. It's like, quit making these guys so dark. You know what I mean? Like, it's just... Superman is not decimating half of Metropolis. That is not the fucking Superman I grew up with. He's not fucking blowing everybody away. You know, people aren't dying. Like He's taking the problem into outer space to another planet, to another time dimension. He's figuring it out. He goes to the fucking fortress. He figures it the fuck out. He, you know, oh, I hate Zack Snyder. I fucking hate that motherfucker. I hate, it. I hate him on a creative level. I don't even know who he is, you know. I mean, I'm not talking about him. I'm just talking, hey, dude, Warner... Get fuck, get a fucking life. Get some fucking balls. Lose Zacky, baby. Go get someone who... There's plenty of young people out there you don't even know that could make something better than Zack Snyder and understandable and relatable and fucking human. It's like, hey, Disney might be fucking white supremacist Nazi motherfuckers using subliminals in Black Panther, but at least they know how to make an epic film. You know, there's that. I don't. I don't know. I mean, I just don't think movies and comics go together very well. They, they lose so much. They do lose so much. Them. But if you're gonna be subjected to, hey, the way they fucking made uh, Captain America and all these guys, it's like I loved the whole fucking run and Agents of Shield. And I, you know, I had a Buddhist meeting with. Uh, yeah, I had a Buddhist meeting oh, with yeah. Ron Glass. Who was in Agents of Shield in the first uh, second season? And he was in Barney Miller. Remember that dude? Oh, oh yeah, Ron Glass. Totally. We did yeah. we did Buddhist meetings together at at my house in oh. L.A. He he came over and he knew my roommate and we just sat there and would like meditate and shit. And we got to talk and he got to tell me about Agents of Shield. I got a photo bomb with him. You know, I was a nerd. I got the photo. Oh, that's cool. Anybody that's been on Barney Miller. Well, dude, Barney Miller, you know, another thing you had to have been there for, you know, like Twin Peaks, but not anything like Twin Peaks. No, no. Thank God for syndication. I would never have known the joys of Dave Pagoda, you know. Oh, my God. No, there's a lot to it. That's really cool. That's really cool. But, yeah. 
it's like it's you know it's like a new time for like potentials for I don't know creative outlet you know for I mean okay on the one hand you have these giant companies like Disney and Warner's just mining the properties they own right now and it's like they're doing such a shitty job I mean I think one of the only good shows is Doom Patrol which was kind of fun it, it kind of has a real I love Doom Patrol. Well, it's got like a, yeah, it's kind of refreshing. That's just, you know, but at the same time, it's kind of like um, the way things are limited in the uh, series and things like that. They can only get to so much per season or whatever. But it's That's like, true. I don't know. Season, like a series is the only way to really get close to what a comic is capable of doing. With these, you know, Long, I mean, I mean, because like, I mean, you look at like the X Men movies; they're just horrible because they literally cut out like all this history and this back and forth with those characters, you know. So it's like you can't even get close to that unless you know you had a series dealing with that, you know, that same format, the way a comic could work like that. But I don't. I mean, I'm not that messed with it. I just find it really hilarious. So it's like my whole childhood is like up on television now. <laughs> like, <laughs> Jesus, we would have thought, you know, all this, all these years later, all this nerdy crap I was into in the 80s is like big. Like, you know, it's like billion dollar franchises now. <laughs> they are, and there's, there are some thicker, like, stories behind that we'll just never know, man. It's true. Yeah, well... Dan Pouce sure won the day in the end. He did, right? <laughs> little Dan Klaus, uh eight ball ending reference there. Andy, thank you for uh, being back on the show. Let's keep in touch, man. I got a Definitely will. comic talk to talk to you about. and uh, I'm probably going to want to talk to you while I'm making this fucking cartoon, and, it, and it's not going to be a radio show. You know, I'm going to be just okay. you know doing this th- fucking thing. So, yeah, uh, do it, do it, do it. I will. Okay, well, look, uh, until then, thank you for being a part of the Twin Peaks fabric of my life. You are welcome. Same here. I no, needed this. I wasn't even knowing half the shit. You know, we were able to be there as and catch these things, and there was sh- plenty of shit you pointed out, too. I was like, oh, whoa. And I remember just yeah. feeding off each other in that one. Uh, Innocent yeah, age of <laughs> innocent age of Twin Peaks, man. So that's a good way to close uh, it. Sigh. Sigh. <laughs> I missed the 20th century. I don't know why, but some days. <laughs> Once again, man. Thank you, and uh, well, you know, I think uh, it was cool that we got to be a part of what created the 20th century. I mean, we were definitely just there, being a part of it, and without us. Lynch and Frost didn't even exist, right? Non-existent. <laughs> yeah, gone into the cultural wasteland until something happens. Right. All right, well, I'm waiting for the blue rose. Let's see if I'm right. Let's see if it goes two right. for two, man. If I got I that one, in, <laughs> I hope I am too, man. I want Tammy back they so better, bad. But they better do it. They better do it right. <laughs> Bring back Tammy Preston, goddammit. 
And bring back Dave, uh, uh, what was his, uh, you know, David uh, Duchovny as fucking um, Dennis, uh, now, di- oh, yeah. now director, Denise, yeah. now director of the FBI. <laughs> Don't you just love saying it, FBI? FBI. <laughs> Use your hearts or die. <laughs> I'm out of here. Thanks, Andy. Just talking with you. You too, dude. Hold on. Hold on to line. Here's your bonus capper. We got the landscaper here in the front of the house pulling up to bury the body from last week's episode. Um, you know, basically, uh, it was nice to, first of all, it was nice to have Andy back on uh, the show and uh, to be able to talk a little bit more in depth about about shit, but your quantum breakdown, dude. I know you referred to it as being nerdy. But oh, yeah. uh, I just said I was flexing my nerves. <laughs> flexing your nerd muscles. Uh, no, it was great, though, to be honest. I felt like, fuck, man, that, you know, took me to some places I and thoughts I hadn't thought about necessarily. About how he would rather just... Not he's not even going after Jowde or whatever. He's just well. How'd you put it? He just wants to exist because as long as there's two people, there's two possibilities of existence, and if he trims that one, he can exist. So without hmm. safely exist without anything else happening. Damn, dude. Uh. Yeah. I know. My eyes are brown. I must be <laughs> Well, I do like the whole Rosenberg Bridge thing. And I, I'm pretty sure that Mark Frost and David Lynch know about the Mandela effect. I tried to say it on the first Twin Peaks thing, and then I didn't really talk about it too much. But I do think they know about it. And in that whole multiverse of characters scenarios oh yeah I, mean, I could even do a whole dissertation on how Lost Highway is actually a side off side story for the whole Twin Peaks thing you know so I mean it's pretty fun stuff they did a good job oh yeah well I guess uh, this kind of ends it for us this is the last shit we're recording technically on the fourth season. I can't believe we uh, made it through that whole fourth season. And we were talking about the fourth season when I was in Colorado or some shit. I can't remember. I think that's what. Oh, yeah. And it, it, you know, when you get out here, if you get out here, then we'll have a lot of fun being side by side and having a lot of good times up in the woods. <laughs> I plan on getting some of that on a recording up there, too, man. You know. Oh, hell yeah. You know, got to utilize your surroundings, guys, and not everything stays the same, and the platforms change in life, and I look how long I bet, how long and how much shit has happened since March 30th, when I started this fucker, and now it's coming up on March 30th. I got one more episode to record. I've got five to edit. <laughs> yep, 99, guys. This is 99. <laughs> yeah, this is now, this is technically episode 98. I don't know what I'm talking about, guys, so you don't know what I'm talking about. So, hey, you know what? It, I might just change it to 99 just to fuck with you and take it oh, up. that's okay. 
But uh, no, this has been an awesome experience. It's been an awesome social experiment. Twin Peaks definitely fits right along the line. One of the things I didn't bring up, C2, yeah. that I brought up, because, uh, you know, when I uh, was opening the portal from episode uh, 821, Take No Shit episode, the portal episode that I actually actually did open up, came uh, Twin Peaks came out right when that whole thing was supposed to start. And oh, okay. So to me, in my belief, in my mind, in my, where I'm at, I, I was talking to the creator, and I was like, oh, that's so cute, releasing the Twin Peaks right when you got me actually doing similar shit. And All entangled. I tried to keep it simple like that, you know. Also, where the portal was open was called the Devil's Backbone. Again, oh, I yeah. I had that same attitude with him. I was like, really? The Devil's Backbone? That's so cheesy. I'm going to do it on Summoner's Point of Devil's Backbone. Well, he was like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the creator was like, well, it is the Devil's Backbone. And I was like, oh, <laughs> shit. Yeah, so I just left it at that, dude. Without, you know, just having this normal relationship like I had. I did. It's not religious, man. <laughs> it's a pretty normal everyday. I wake up and... I deal with you know, having my best friend, the creator of all there. I guess if you're going to like have a best friend, that's one of the more complex best friends you could have. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Nobody can outdo me. <laughs> exactly. You know, maybe David Lynch has t- taken a dip in the creator pool many times to come out and like have been drenched in this liquid acid cinema thing going on over his demeanor. Makes sense. Oh man, I'm just getting ripped and I'm wrapping it up. C2, it's hard to say goodbye. Yeah, well, we don't have to say goodbye. We just have to say goodbye for the show. We're always around. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you know, when we do finally do episode 101, I'd like to have both you and J.D. Rose and, like, start it off as a team and see how far we can go in a team yeah. thing going on. Yeah, I think that'd be great. It'd be fun to get a trinary in there, a trinity of sorts. I think so, too. That'd be cool as fuck. Yep. Well, until then, gang, stay tuned for uh, what I think is going to be the Freedom Auto episode coming up next. And then uh, C2 will join us in a pre-recorded 100th episode coming in at three hours or some shit, dude. Holy fuck. Three hours. Mm. All right. Well, until then, C2, you take care of yourself. I do my best. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of this, all this shit. Hey, it's fun for me, too. So thank you. We both (laughs) thank each other. It's great. (laughs) All right. More to come. There's never, there's a never-ending supply of fucking stories and uh, cases and people. Want to try to get a new format? Maybe we'll start making a uh, Sasquatch traps and junk like that. I have, I don't know what the. Our PTS for having sex with cryptids, not just PTS, sex and cryptids. <laughs> we are going to talk about sex. God damn it! I'm tired of not talking about sex on the show. Uh, okay, until then. All right. Bye bye. Be good, guys. Later.
You're listening to Adam Air MD GED Underground Cartoon Therapy. Holy shit.